This weekend we're beginning our series on the Sermon on the Mount. You can find this uh, Sermon on the Mount in the Gospel of Matthew, chapters 5, 6, and 7. You can find similar material in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6. We encourage you to read through the Sermon on the Mount, if you can, to read through it every day, to read it out loud, to listen to God's Word in this relatively short passage of Scripture, and understand that it sets for us a a path of, of what it means to live as authentic disciples in the kingdom of God. It describes the kingdom of God that is right now and not yet. It is who we are called to be and who we are becoming Sermon on Mount is an important part of, of our journey as people following Jesus. The Sermon on Mount begins with the Beatitudes, and uh, we've done a series on the Beatitudes before, and I'm sure we will in the future, so I'm not going to spend really any time there, except to thank Lenora for covering them for me in the special music today. I did want you to know, though, that they've added a new Beatitude, and I don't want you to miss it. Blessed are we who can laugh at ourselves for we shall never cease to be amused. <clears throat> There's a lot of truth in that, friends. You know, I was thinking this week in the midst of uh, the world in which we live that there's so much seriousness in our world, with good reason, with good reason. The issues that we are wrestling with as people of faith the issues that we are wrestling with as individuals and in our families and in our communities, as churches and as a nation and as a world, they're important issues. They have significant impact on our lives and our livelihoods, impact on the state of the world and, and how we live together as ones who are created by God in this magnificent place that we call the world. The issues are serious. But sometimes I wonder if we take ourselves so seriously, ourselves and and our position on an issue or our thoughts about an issue or uh, so seriously that we're, we're trying to already write the next chapter of the book and we haven't even turned the page. I wonder if sometimes we take ourselves so seriously that we miss the joy of life. That we miss the wonder of this magnificent world in which we live. That we miss the delight and the sacredness of being created to be in relationship with God and with one another. I I, I wonder if we miss that. Most of us are not going to get to the end of any particular day or to the end of our lives and look back and say, Gee, I wish I had taken myself more seriously. Or, gee, I I wish I hadn't laughed as much. My guess is that many of us get to the end of a day and maybe even to the end of our lives or a season in our life, and what we say is, gee, I wish I had experienced more joy. I wish I had laughed a little more or a lot more. I wonder if sometimes we take our presence and our ideas and our thoughts so seriously and so importantly that we miss the importance of the presence of Christ and Christ's thoughts and ideas with us and for us and to us and through us. 
And when we do, then it's easy for us to become discouraged. It's easy for us to become dismissive. It's easy for us to become divisive. It's easy for us to wonder if maybe the darkness is catching up to the light. And we know as people of faith that that's not true. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot and will not overcome it. We, we believe that to be true, but we live in a world in which a lot of times what we see is the darkness around us, the challenges that we face. And the way that we engage in that darkness is by practicing the presence of Christ in us. The presence of Christ in us. And I wonder what that looks like for you, where you are in your life and your circumstances. What does it look like or feel like for you to practice the presence of Christ in you? Let us pray. Lord, I pray that you would open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive your word to us today, that it would take hold of us and transform us. I pray that the words in my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable to you, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We're calling this series Practice Makes Perfect. Uh, J.D. Waltz, who was here with us last weekend, helped us pull this uh, series together based on some of his writings, his daily texts, writings a couple of years ago. And He titled it Practice Makes Perfect, and we're going to kind of unpack what those words mean over the next several weeks. He takes it from a verse out of the Sermon on the Mount, out of Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, kind of a pivotal point in the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus says, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Practice makes perfect. I I was reminded that actually it's perfect practice makes perfect is what someone has told me, right? It's it's not just doing it, it's practicing it well. Um, We know what practice looks like, right? Practice is um, applying an idea or a thought or a a theory. We're we're putting boots on the ground where the rubber meets the road. We're we're making that a reality, not just something we're thinking about or, or dreaming about. It is that practice and that action of doing something repeatedly, regularly, so that we become better at it. We become more proficient at it. We, we know what practice means. It's perfect that we wrestle with. Because in our culture, in our world, perfect means flawless. Perfect means there is nothing to improve upon. Perfect means without blemish. Perfect means uh, you're it. But in this text, this word perfect in Greek is a word that is, it's teleos, which means mature or complete. It's not about getting it all right. It's not about perfectionism. It's about being mature and complete as God. Our Heavenly Father is mature and complete. J.D. Walt says it this way, to be perfect as our heavenly father is perfect means to be a person filled with holy love. The perfection Jesus looks for and crafts in a person is not flawlessness, but fullness, not blemish-free, but beauty-full. 
This kind of perfect is characterized by a fullness with room for more. This kind of perfect cannot be achieved by effort, only received by grace. Practice makes perfect. It's not about getting it all right. It's not about perfectionism or being flawless or about not ever making a mistake. It's about living this life that we've been given in ways that there's more and more room for the fullness of Christ in us. More and more room for the perfect love of God to be at work in us and through us. John Wesley talked about it uh, being made perfect in love, Christian perfection, uh, being where the love of God and, and neighbor, that great commandment that Jesus gives to us, the love of God and neighbor, it's what rules our thoughts and our words and our actions. It, it's what rules our minds and our hearts and our souls, our, our bodies. It's the love of God and love of neighbor that is that driving force in us. That's being made perfect in love. It's about applying or practicing an idea, a command, a theory, so that it becomes not just an idea, not just a suggestion, not just a command, but a reality in our world. It's about practicing the love with which we have been loved. In uh, the message, Eugene Peterson translates it this way. In a word, what I'm saying is grow up. Your kingdom subjects, kingdom of God subjects, now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously toward others the way God lives toward you. Practice makes perfect. Being made perfect in love is not by our own power or our own doing. It's not by our own effort or energy, but by the grace of God. By the perfect love of God at work in and through us, making us more like Jesus. More like Jesus, who is revealed to us in Scripture, who teaches us through Scripture, and in particular, through the Sermon on the Mount. We get a glimpse of what this kingdom of God looks like, who Jesus is, and how we are called to live. Today's text in the fifth chapter comes in verses 13 and through 16. You are the salt of the earth, But if the salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. The first thing that you need to know about this is that you here, that word you are, the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world, is plural. So it really should be y'all, right? Or all y'all. All y'all are the light of the world. We choose to follow Jesus as individuals, but we can only live out our following of Jesus in community with one another. We choose Jesus for ourselves, but we can only live out that choice by being in community with one another. You are the light of the world. 
You're the light. The function of light is not to be seen, but to let things be seen as they are. Light reveals what is there. Light uncovers what is there. We don't manufacture the light. We don't create the light. We can't produce this light. The light that shines through us is the light of Christ in us. If you go to the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verses 12, verse 12, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So maybe you're saying, okay, well, in John, Jesus says he's the light of the world. In Matthew, he says we're the light of the world. Which is it? Yes, it's both. We are the light of the world as Christ is in us. As Christ, the light of the world, is in us, then we are the light of the world. It's not about us. It's about Christ in us. So in this verse where it says, So let, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. It's not about anything we do. It's not about our accomplishments or our ideas or our demands or our good works. It's about the light of Christ at work in us. Guiding us, revealing to us the fullness of God's love for us, where the light shines into our own hearts and lives so that the light can shine through us to the world around us. John Wesley loved the Sermon on the Mount and had uh, 13 different discourses or sermons uh, within this text. This comes from one of his sermons on this text. The command, let your light shine, refers to your humility gentleness, and modesty concerning your knowledge. Letting your light shine pertains to your serious and significant concern for the things of eternity, your sorrow for the sins and miseries of people, your earnest desire for universal holiness, and your complete happiness in God. It includes your compassionate goodwill toward all mankind and your ardent love for your supreme benefactor, God himself. Do not try to conceal the light with which God has enlightened your soul. In the entire scope of your conduct, let your light shine in the world before all people that you encounter. Let it shine still more abundantly in your actions by working for the good of all. Christ in us is the light that shines through us for the good of all. We don't have to make the light shine. We simply have to let the light shine through us. And we do this by allowing the light of Christ to shine in us first, to uncover and reveal our own places of darkness, our own need, to reveal to us the places where we need to practice the presence of Christ in us, where we need to grow up, in the love of God for us and for one another, we let the light of Christ shine through us as we practice the presence of Christ in us. It's not about getting it all right. We're not going to, and we don't have to. It is a process in which we are willing to let 
the light and presence of Christ shine so fully in our lives that it shines through us. God's desire is for all people to come to know the love of Jesus Christ, the grace, the mercy of Christ, the relationship that God offers to us to be reconciled and made whole. And God uses us who have experienced that mercy and grace to offer that to one another. It's not about our good works. It's about the light of Christ shining through us so that God gets the glory, right? As human beings, when we do something good and people see that, we like it when we get some attention about that. Practicing the presence of Christ in us, letting the light of Christ shine in us to shine through us, is all for God's glory, not our own. As we practice this presence of Christ in us, shining light through us, it's important for us to remember that, that we don't have to attack the darkness around us. All we have to do is be the light in the darkness. In, in our current climate, in, in our nation, in our world, in our churches, even in our own homes, our own communities, in, in our, our current climate, the danger in thinking that we have to attack the darkness is that we too easily attack with darkness. Too easily we attack out of anger and fear, out of our own pride and ego, out of our own sense of, of good works. And we attack with, with violence and with blame and with cruelty. And instead of shining the light, we're simply perpetuating the darkness. We don't have to attack the darkness. We simply are the light in the darkness. That doesn't mean that we don't do anything. That doesn't mean that we uh, just sit back and do nothing. But it means that we allow the light of Christ to shine in us first. So that then it can shine through us. With whoever is in front of us, with wherever we find ourselves to be, we simply let that light shine in us. We grow in being made perfect in loving God and others as we practice believing and trusting that God's love for us is not just an idea, but a reality. We practice believing that God really loves us. And we are able to be made perfect in love because we are perfectly loved all of our flaws, all of our blemishes, all of our imperfections embraced in the light of God, in the love of God for us, that allows us to love one another. That's the challenge and the beauty of the Sermon on the Mount. Really, if you haven't read it before and, and as we're reading through it in these next uh, several weeks, or if you have, you're going to understand when I say that there are parts of it that you're going to read and you're immediately going to say, oh, I know who needs to hear this. And until we allow it to speak to us first and understand that it is first to be practiced in our lives, 
then we cannot with any sense of integrity hold it up for someone else's life. Practicing the presence of Christ in us, allowing the light of Christ, the light of the world to be the light that is in us, allows us to let the light shine, allows us to be the light so that we don't live in shame or punishment. We live in the love that God has for us, the divine love and acceptance that God has for each of us that God has for those whom we encounter. I was reading a story this week about Robert Louis Stevenson, the author, the poet, that when he was a young boy, uh, one night he was at the window and he was uh, watching outside as it became dark outside, and he was watching the lamp lighter go walk down the street and light the lamps one at a time. So from complete darkness to uh, a street that was lit by these lamps, and His nanny was watching him, and uh, he was completely mesmerized and quiet in watching this unfold outside the window. And that concerned her because usually if he was uh, quiet and still, that meant that mischief was around the corner. And so she said to him, what are you doing? He said, I'm watching a man make holes in the darkness. In the canvas of the darkness, the lamplighter was making holes in the darkness. You are the light of the world. When we carry the light out into the world, we're making holes in the darkness. We gather here in worship every week. And maybe nobody's told you this before, but the point is not to be gathered here in worship. The point is to be sent back out into the world. When we gather here as ones who follow Christ, as ones in whom the light of Christ shines, we come together and we're all light, right? But God asks us to be light, not just for one another here, but to the world out there beyond these walls. The light of Christ shines in us, and we remember that so that we can take it out into the world. Can you imagine what it would look like if all of us, just imagine that you really are a lamp, and that as we leave this place, from this place of bright light, that that we move out into the world, and everywhere we are, our homes, our places of work, our schools, Starbucks, our communities, wherever we serve, wherever we play, that we as those lamps are making holes in whatever darkness is out there. That's who we are. That's who we are. All of us know what darkness feels like, what darkness looks like. It's not just the, the heaviness of our world and our nation. It is the personal darkness that we experience when someone dies or when we get sick or when we lose our job, or when something unexpected happens and our world gets turned upside down, or we simply struggle with what it looks like to live in this world, we know darkness. And we know Christ in us. To be light in the darkness, to be a hole in the darkness, doesn't take much at all. 
It's a word of kindness. It's praying. It's listening. It's being present to make a hole in the darkness. So often we focus on the darkness. Everything seems so dark. Everything's so gloomy. What would happen if we actually looked for the holes in the darkness and focused on that rather than on the darkness itself? When we're gathered here, it's easy enough to talk about the light and and to talk about being the light. When we go out into the world, some of us work in places and find ourselves in places where there are some um, restrictions placed upon what we can say or what we can do in any given environment. And we understand the need to respect other people's beliefs and other people's space. Uh, But but still, we shine the light of Christ no matter where we are. Friday night, I was at the hospital with Sherman and his family as he was uh, being welcomed home uh, by God. And uh, we were all gathered in there um, with him and and praying for him. And um, after he died, we were still some of us in the room. Some people left to make phone calls. Some people just kind of chatting. And, And I watched doctors and nurses and medical staff that came by to see the family. They just showed up to, to see the family. And one nurse in particular came in, and she stood at the bed with Kathy and with Sherman's wife and with Ashley and their daughter. And they were standing at the bed, and they were just talking. And I wasn't really listening to what they were saying. But all of a sudden, I realized that Kathy and Ashley weren't talking. It was just the nurse. And, and so I took a step closer to them. And what I realized was that this nurse who probably has some restrictions about what she is supposed to say or do and not say and do, was praying for them. She had her arms around them, and and this nurse, employed by the hospital, praying for them, giving thanks for the light that Sherman had carried into the hospital with him, giving thanks for the light of his family, and for their presence with him, and giving thanks for his life, and then praying comfort for them. In the midst of their darkest moment, she was a hole in the darkness. She was light in that space. What would it look like for us As ones who have Christ in us, the light of the world in us, what would it look like for us to simply let that light shine through us, in our words, in our actions, with no regard for benefit for ourselves or recognition for ourselves, but for the glory of God? What would it look like to practice the presence of Christ in us? Let us pray. Lord, we're grateful, so grateful, that Jesus is the light of the world and the light of our lives, and that in your love you offer that light to reveal the places where we need to to grow, where we need to practice loving you and loving one another. We're grateful that what your light reveals never diminishes your love for us, that your love is complete and whole, and your love embraces us, all of our imperfections and our blemishes and our mistakes, and makes us whole. We pray for courage to let that light shine through us, 
We pray for courage to let the light of Christ in us make holes in the darkness of this world. And we pray, O oh Lord, for those who still are walking in darkness, longing for the light, that they would see it and experience it in us, that they might come to know you as we do. Our hope, our joy, our very life. Help us live as ones who really are the light of the world. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.